The Summer of Love. Isn't that a great name? Didn't, do y'all think that's a great name? The Summer of Love um, for our summer uh, series, our summer emphasis, the summer theme. Um, I think that this year has been different. We haven't really done series of messages. We've had themes. Um, Holy Spirit and glory the whole first half of the year. Now we're getting into a theme of love. Last week we talked about what was probably the most famous verse in all of Scripture, John 3.16. Everybody knows it, and uh, probably most people can recite it. Um, If you check on Google, it's the most Googled verse that's out there. And I think that it's so important that we understand uh, even though it's used a lot, it's not overused. We, we can never overuse this because God loves us. And He has shown us how to love. And it's, it's so important. It's all through the Bible. The way He loves us is how we should love others. And listen, if our country is going to get through this crazy time that we're in right now, it's going to, if we're going to get out of this funk, I believe it's going to require Christians to unite and love people in an uncommon way. You're going to hear me say that a lot. Love people in an uncommon way. Um, somebody was asking Caden, my eight-year-old, about what his dad was talking about, and he said um, something about loving. He said, my dad's telling everybody um, to love and to love uncommon. He used the word uncommon, and uh, somebody said, what does that mean? He said, I don't know. <laughs> uncommon. Uncommon. Unusual. It's a way that that is uh, the world is not used to seeing. It's, it's uh, something that people aren't used to. When we really love somebody, we want to see the best for them. We're willing to invest in them to make that happen. It's, it's uh, a desire to see the best for somebody else. It's love. And when we love the way God has called us to, that is uncommon. Uh, the common kind of love is a little more selfish. It uh, also gives me a little something. I'll tell you that uh, Cerise and I, and you, you hear me talk about her all the time, my wife, I have such a great relationship with her. We have a great relationship. I love her. And sometimes, though, that love gets into, I love her because I feel good. You know what I mean? Like, it makes me feel good to have her love reciprocated. And so I know that if I love her more, she's going to try to love me more. And it feels good. That's selfish. Love is true when we don't expect something in return. And that's how God loved us. That's how he teaches us to love. That is uncommon. And you know, we all need love. I read a story about a little girl who was uh, sick and she was in the hospital and she was making uh, progress towards recovering, but she just wasn't recovering very quickly. And the doctors couldn't figure out why she wasn't recovering. It could have been maybe she, you know, she's in the hospital um, unused, not used to the people who are around her, not used to the nurses that maybe were there. Everything's unfamiliar. Who, who knows why? But she just wasn't recovering as quickly as possible. The doctor noted that she was a really sensitive child. He would come in and visit her, and, and every time that he would come in, he would, he would try to be nice to her. And he found that she was sensitive, and she was scared easily, and, and that when he was kind to her, she really responded to kindness. So um, after a couple of days of her not recovering like um, she should, he walked out and on the chart outside of her door, he put um, as her prescription, needs loving every four hours. (laughs) Come in and love on this child so that she can get well, because that's what she's responding to. That's what's helping her is to be loved. 
Today I want us to consider what part love plays in our lives. What part does love play in our lives? We started talking about love last week. And if you remember, God has required us to love people with the uncommon love that we're talking about. It's what he wants from us. It's what he has called us to do. And this is going to be our theme for the whole summer. Today I want to take a look at the unique bond of love, the, the, uh, the love that binds the Christian community together and what God told us about that. So we're going to go to John chapter 13 today. And uh, if you have a Bible, you're going to find your way there or scroll your way there. Uh, also, don't forget that on the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, we have uh, the notes for today's message. Or you can download the churches app, Lantana Church. Uh, find that and uh, you can get those notes there too. Um, if you don't have the Lantana Church app, by the way, you can text the word Lantana, um, <laughs> Lantana app to 77977. Sorry, I almost forgot there for a minute. Um, it's Lantana Give if you want to give an offering. It's Lantana app if you want to download the app. So, all right, John chapter 13, verses 31 to 35. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him... God will glorify the Son of Man in Himself and will glorify Him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another." You know, and, and you've heard me talk about that particular scripture today, but I want to kind of take a bigger bite, if you will, dig a, a little deeper on this. Um, I need to tell you to set this up about a dream that I had. And um, also, if you have been around me very much, you know that I'm really not one who believes in, in signs, if you will. You know, people are looking for signs and everything. I've had this conversation with my dad He'll say, well, I was driving down the road and I saw this flower on the side and it must be a sign, you know, that I need to plant a garden. And Dad, it's, it was a random flower, you know what I mean? Um, now, I'm not saying that, I'm not condemning, don't get me wrong. It's a funny joke that he and I have now. But um, I'm not one who believes, who, or who at least has dealt with a lot of signs in my life. I've not, um, I don't know, I just, some of those things have not really made sense to me. And um, so, and I, really am not one that has a lot of dreams, okay? I'm saying that's why I'm telling you this. I, I just don't have a lot of dreams. If I dream, I, I don't remember them, you know? It's, it's very, very rare that I remember a dream. I, maybe it's, I don't know what that says about my, my psyche, you know? Maybe I need to go see somebody about that, um, but I just don't remember them very well when I have dreams. And so uh, this, that's what makes this dream for me remarkable because I can remember in my dream very vividly that I was um, speaking like I am now. But it wasn't me who was speaking. It was God who was speaking. So this is going to be strange, right? I'm not trying to say that I'm God. Please understand that. I'm just saying that I knew that I was speaking, but it wasn't me. It was almost like God had control of my body. And I wrote down exactly when I woke up the words that he said. And this is, this is what God said through me in, in my dream. We have to get back to the core. We have to get back to the center. Who are we and what do we believe as a church? That's what we have to get back to. We have to get back to the center. Center. I woke up in a start. Like, what was that? I don't know if that's ever happened to you guys. And, and 
I fell back asleep and I had the dream all over again. So I knew that God was talking to me, but, but this was the thing. This was, I was speaking, and you guys have, have heard me when I get riled up, and that's how it was. Is we have to get back to the center. We have to get back to the, start, to the core. What is it that God has called us to do? Who are we, and what do we believe as a church? That's what we have to get back to. We have to get back to the center. So if I was to talk to everybody and say, what is the center? I hope that we've said enough at this church what we believe the center is. But in case that you've missed it, we believe, I believe, God has taught us that the center of our church is love. And not just our church with the little c, the global church, the universal church, capital C, church as a whole, love is the center. And you're going to understand by the time we get through today. God spoke to me through me speaking in a dream. Surreal. I'm not sure if I've had a dream that I remember since then, actually. Years ago, we went through a transformation. I say years, a couple years ago, in this church. And we went through a whole process, and we talked to people, and we told stories together, and we had a group of people, and God clearly led us into a very specific statement of purpose. To love like Jesus, so lives are changed. In fact, when you walk in, you'll see it out on the, uh, on the sign out there. To love like Jesus, so lives are changed. To love like Jesus, so lives are changed. In my dream, I instinctively knew what God was telling me the center of the church is, is that very thing, is love. And, and I think we need to be careful, and I don't want to get ahead of myself here, because um, I'm not actually on the notes right now, but when we say we want to love like Jesus, There's, there's a point to it. I don't want to just love you like Jesus so that we feel good about it. I don't just want to love you like Jesus so that our church has a nice, good bond. I don't want to just love you like Jesus so that we're a church that doesn't have gossip or backbiting. I want to love you like Jesus so that lives are changed. There's a purpose to it. It's not just to create a nice, feel-good, mushy, everybody hugs each other atmosphere. There's a reason for it. There's a purpose to it. And that's what God is telling me. We have to get back to the center. And is he telling me that because we've gotten off the center? In Galatians 5, 6, Paul wrote, Paul wrote for in Christ Jesus, see, I'm, I'm not quite there yet. I'm still on my introduction. No, <laughs> I'm, actually, I'm all over the place. Let's just, all right. Galatians 5, 6. And if you have, this is where the notes in the Bible app come in handy because you're going to see some of these scriptures in there. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself in love. <laughs> Take just a minute. All right, the New Revised Standard says, Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything. And we're going to dig, this is one of the ones this summer we're going to dig into. Because if you imagine what Paul is saying to people, all right, first, just a little bit about Galatians. Galatians 
when Paul went to speak to the Galatians, he found that they were preaching a Jesus plus something to the faith. Jesus and, we'll call it. Jesus and following rules. Paul came in and said, you guys are crazy, man. It's Jesus only Jesus. It's only, it's by his grace. All of Galatians is about his grace. In fact, Paul's pretty angry. Read the letter. It's awesome. And he's telling them, you guys are crazy. It's only grace. Get in line. It's only grace. And, and so he goes on to say, and this is towards the end, circumcision and uncircumcision, they don't count for nothing. And he, he was bashing a whole like the history of the church in that short phrase. Because if you remember, circumcision was one of the things that they really hammered on. Circum circumcision, dietary law, Sabbath keeping. Three most important things out of the 616 laws, or I think it was that, 615 laws that they had in the Old Testament. That was what was important. Circum the most important thing to them, one of the most, is circumcision. So he's telling them, hey, all of that, that doesn't count. Okay, well, under grace, we don't require to follow the law necessarily. Now it's, it's uncircumcision. And so he's telling them, no, no, no. It's not uncircumcision either. Well, you guys have got it wrong. It's not circumcision, old, uncircumcision, new. It is only faith expressing itself in love. These other things, they just don't matter. Faith expressing itself in love. In other words, if we have faith in God, it's going to be expressed in the way we love each other. Man, okay, we'll unpack that later. You guys are going to ooh and all like I did at that time, okay? Um, love, basically, I'll just say this. Uh, Cliff's notes, love is very important, okay? It's very, do they still do Cliff's notes, by the way? Is that still a thing? Do they? Okay, I didn't know. Back in the day, you know, Cliff's Notes were all the rage, pre-Google. All right. As our church grows and we reach into the community and we do more things and we start schools and we plant churches and we build buildings, etc., 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 I believe God is wanting us to not slip away from what's the most important thing to us, to Him, to Christians. That's love. We've got to be real careful. And exciting things are happening. I know that you, you know we've, we're working with, uh, we're starting a school with Harvest Christian. This next fall, we're going to have, we're, we're starting a school. It's awesome. We're excited. It's going to be great. Um, just in the last week or two, I've had a meeting with a, a Brazilian couple. Pray for them. Uh, her name is Stephanie and his, his name is Claudio. They are going to, we're going to plant a church with them, a Brazilian church. Can you believe it? Um, we're, we're working with them. Details are still to come, so don't get all panicky. But they're just going to come and join the church and, and begin to have like a, a Sunday school class here. But it's going to be awesome. Like there's things happening and God is moving and he's doing things. But if we move away from the core, if we get away from the center, none of those things matter. We've got to stay true to the center to what it is that God wants for us. Love. Loving God, we've said this before, loving others and loving our community. Nothing counts for anything without love. Okay. All right, so we're going to go on. I, I hope that you guys are, you know, picking up when I'm laying down. 
we're, we're going to start with just a couple of things, and then uh, I think we'll be 10, 12 minutes, and we should be done, okay? Uh, here comes the message. Jesus, all right, this is, what, this is where Jesus starts in the Scripture, right? The Scripture, um, when he was gone, Jesus said, now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God would glorify the Son in himself. What, I mean, what's he talking about uh, all the glory for? He's, he's saying that um, Jesus, Jesus is going to be glorified. And do you remember glory? We just came through glory. I hope you remember glory, the singular splendor of God and its consequence for mankind. Right? The singular splendor of God and its consequence for mankind. God's glory is just amazing and massive and awesome. So don't read this lightly. We're talking about Jesus being glorified. And isn't it interesting that it's almost like a strategic time has happened? Because if you look just before this, Judas has left. And, it, and at this time, Satan is controlling Judas. It, it, it tells us in the Bible, he, like, Satan entered him and he went and did his thing. So he left now. So a strategic time has happened. So Jesus begins this whole new line of thinking. This is why they're in the upper room. Um, Jesus is the, the last supper. He's given them all some instruction, some of the last things he's going to tell them. And we know it's going to be some of the most important things he's ever said. If you knew that tomorrow you were going to be gone. You're going to share the most important things you can with those you love. He's going to be glorified in his death. It, um, he's going, it, this is going to help him ob obtain glory over Satan. All the powers of darkness are going to be defeated. He, he is going to provide through this deliverance for his people. He's going to be glorified in his obedience to the Father. And then the Father is glorified in Jesus' death because of God's love and mercy and righteousness are being made known. Like it's just, it's just God's splendor is going to be revealed through all of this. Okay, then he says, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now where I'm going, you cannot come. What? Where are you going? I can't go. <laughs> One of the biggest fights recent ever. This is funny. You're going to like this. We got in a big fight once. And it was all over how much I loved her. <laughs> this is no joke. She said, she, she told me, well, sometimes I just, what if I just got mad and I had to leave? And I said, well, if you leave, you can always leave me, but I'm just going to follow you. <laughs> like, in other words, you can't get away from me. <laughs> she, she was like, but sometimes I just need to walk away. And I said, like, oh, oh, yeah, you can go to the other room. But, like, if you say you're leaving me, like you're gone, we'll go together, girl. Like, we, <laughs> we're not. You don't get to leave me. <clears throat> I love you, baby. You know that. And that's what I would have been if she said to me, I've got to go somewhere where I'm going, you can't come. Uh, that's not true. <laughs> Wherever you go, I can go. Um, that's what Jesus is saying. They didn't understand. And if you look before a little bit in John, um, he, he told the Jews the same thing. He, he's, you know, I, I'm not going to be with you much longer. Uh, he, under, he knows the disciples are going to be looking for him. Where'd he go? We don't know where he went. I don't know. When he told the Jews this earlier, if you look in chapter 7 and 8, they thought he was going to what they call diaspora. It's, it's where the uh, Jews were scattered among the Gentiles. It was kind of the no man's land. You know, people didn't really go there. 
So is he going there? Or in chapter 8 they said, oh, maybe he's just going to go kill himself. Maybe he's going to commit suicide. They didn't understand what he was saying. And now he's saying the same thing to them, like, we're your friends, man. Where are you going to leave? They didn't understand right now. But then he follows it with one of the most important things in all of the New Testament. Like this in your Bible or in the Bible app or whatever, you should highlight this. Because it starts this way, a new command I give you. A new command. They already had the Ten Commandments by God. Remember that? Gave to Moses. Moses says, here's your Ten Commandments. They took those Ten Commandments and, and they refined them and um, you know, gave clarification to them. And God gave them some other things about the ways to live, helping them establish society. We're talking about all of Leviticus and, and the law portion. And then Jesus comes and says, a new command I give you? The, I, I would almost guarantee the first thing they thought was, well, who are you to give us a new command? Like We already got commands, thanks. That's why this is so important. That he's, he's establishing his authority as not only Jesus but, and the Son of God, but God. This is a new command, a new command. In this upper room, the vision of a new community is being shaped. In the the last few hours of his life on earth, Jesus is sketching for his friends a, a new way to live, a picture of a future that they are to experience, that we are to experience. It's important to to realize that this revelation is for us because the key to this new command is relationship. Relationship with each other. This is where it gets interesting. Relationship with each other, all members of a new community. And try to put yourself into a place where they had never heard this before. This was the first time they had heard this. They hadn't witnessed anything like this. They'd never seen anybody love like this. They had no idea what this was. It was new. It was fresh. Relationship. You mean we're to love each other? And we'll talk about this later too. Jesus said, unless somebody hates their mother or father, they can't follow me. What does that even mean? He doesn't want us to hate. He wants us to love. Our family becomes our family. So we, we build this relationship with each other, but we also build a relationship with Jesus, who is the one who enables this new community. If we don't build that relationship with Jesus, then he cannot enable us to love like he has loved. Has to be a relationship with Jesus. Of all the words Jesus could have spoken In his last brief time with his own, these are the words he chose. All right, and so then the foundation of this new community is a unique relationship, okay? Understand this. First time they'd heard it, they didn't know anything about it. It's a unique relationship. Here's how he explained it. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. All people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You just love, and you need to love, and this is love. But how do we love? The way that Jesus loved us. This is unique, because previously they just loved each other, kind of like we understand love today, but it was not a love that, that 
gave of self. It was not uncommon. It was common. What really kicked the church off was they really took this to heart and began to love like this. So the foundation of this whole thing is a unique relationship with each other. We have a unique relationship with each other that is unparalleled. And then he changed the rules on them. It's a new command. A new command? We got all the rules we need now. Thanks. I don't need more rules. What do you mean more rules? I don't need more. The foundation of Jesus' new community is a unique relationship, and then he changed the rules. I might have told this story before. If I have, don't stop me. Morgan, when she was a, a baby soccer player, she didn't really play uh, basketball is where it's at now. Like, that's her sport. But we played soccer for a while, and when she, and her hair is getting darker now, but I'll never forget, she was this blonde-headed little four-year-old out on the soccer field. And, um, like, it was blonde, blonde hair, you know? uniquely blonde because most kids weren't this blonde and she would be out there and she was running and and I can I can remember I was so proud of her because she scored every goal I was the coach she scored every goal for the four-year-old soccer team all of them every goal was Morgan's that's because she's the only not only for her side not for both sides just for her side yeah every goal for both teams every goal for her team so the interesting thing is this is why so not only was she the best on the team, she had to be the smartest on the team too, right? Because she understood soccer before anybody else did. The only thing that really separated her at that time was she knew what to do. She understood, get this ball, kick it into the other goal. Now, we spend our whole lives telling kids, share, 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 right? Until you're on the soccer field, <laughs> out on the pitch, it's your ball, <laughs> Like, nobody else gets that ball. It's your ball. So I'm telling her all the time, hey, that's your ball. You go get that ball. And so she began to go get the ball. Every time that somebody had the ball, she would go get the ball and just kick, 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 score the goal. And then she would get the ball and kick, 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 score the goal. It didn't matter who had the ball, her team, the other team, whoever, because it was her ball. She'd kick, 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 score the goal. I would hear people at the concession stand, did you see that blonde little girl? Man, she's tearing it up out there. And I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's my daughter. <laughs> tearing it up. Before the, about halfway through the season, they changed the rules on her. Um, all of a sudden, you could not steal the ball from the opponents anymore. <laughs> what? It really messed her up because uh, she still, and that was hard to understand because I spent all this time saying share. Then I said, okay, it's your ball. You go get it. That was fine. Now I have to say, okay, you can't go get it? Like, how do you explain that to a four-year-old? I was like, whatever. You guys make whatever rules, honey. You go get that ball. It's going to be just fine. <laughs> And so it ended up being that, you know, she would get the ball and she would score. And then they would say, that's not a goal. You know, give it back to the other team, whatever. But it, it, was, it was a rule change, you know. And I was the coach and I was irritated. And all the parents were like, what? We want to win. Oh, parents are the worst too, you know. I, and I know I am one. But as we come into th these leagues and all the parents are like, we want to win. It's the most important thing. And uh, the point is they changed the rules. And I know what that's like. Maybe that's happened to you before and, and you've been going along in a situation. Something is, is designed and set and ready to go this way and then the rule gets changed. That's what happened to them. They lived under the rules of Moses and God for a long time. Jesus comes and he ups the ante. 
He asked them to change their paradigm. And this is what I mean. Put yourself in their shoes. First time they had heard this, he's asking them to move from a rule-centered religion to a relationship-centered religion. Now the most religious have the tightest relationships rather than the most religious hold the rules the best. Right? And these words would have been familiar but strange all at the same time because love is nothing new. The Old Testament taught to love neighbor as you love yourself. We can get behind that. I'm going to love my neighbor as I love myself. There's all kinds of things that we could talk about there, but we've got to love our neighbor the way Jesus loved us. That's what Jesus came and said. He changed it. Don't just love your neighbor as you love yourself now. Let's love your neighbor the way I loved you. So things are new. And, and so here, here's the list, three of them, three things. Love one another first. The Old Testament spoke about loving neighbors. Jesus came and said, love one another. What does that mean? We who are Jesus' disciples are still to love our neighbors, but we have been welcomed by Christ into a new, intimate relationship with other believers. Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 2 and 3, you, you remember it, that we've become brothers and sisters. We've become members of a single family. Now we are the family. You know how when you get into trouble, you can call your mom or dad or brother or sister or somebody who's close to you, maybe somebody that you call family and they'll help you? That's how we are to be as a church. When we're talking about getting back to the center, this is what we're talking about. Do we have the ability to call each other. In Christ, our relationship with each other is suddenly way more intimate than any human relationship has ever been. In fact, they loved each other so much that in the, er, the first century church, it was rumored that they were incestual because of the way they loved each other. Like they were intermarrying and stuff. That's not true. They just really loved each other. And what happened is this uncommon love they loved each other with caused other people to want to be a part of that. So this is a new fundamental law to the kingdom of God. A new command I give you. A new way of thinking. A new thing to do. Love one another. Alright, that's the first thing. Second thing is a new standard. It's a new standard to love. Um, love of neighbor was to be as you love yourself, but here we see love as I loved you. Love like Jesus did? Think about all that Jesus did for his disciples. Seriously, love like Jesus did? Love with a love that gives self? Love with a love that considers myself not so important anymore? My brother becomes more important than me? No, man. Can I do that? Doesn't matter. The best Christ follower among us loves that way. You guys picking that up? How is it that Jesus loves us, right? In what way? It's tough, right? I don't know if you like me. I'm like, oh, man. I don't know. Because what did Jesus do? How did he love his disciples? He spoke kindly to them. They were dumb, man. They messed up all the time, but he spoke kindly to them. He was concerned for them. He bore with their feelings. You ever have somebody that gets all the feels and they want to talk to you about it, and you're like, okay. 
Jesus, all the time, they could talk to him. He bore with their feelings. He excused them. He made the best of them. He made them the best versions of themselves. And then he washed their feet. He served them. This is something that I talk to my kids about all the time. I I want them to understand what true love is. True love is uncommon. True love is a love that gives self. True love is a love that washes other people's feet. It serves other people. And then here's something else we're going to dig into this summer. We've got all kinds of nuggets in here. John 13, 1. Probably my favorite of all of the verses in the Bible. John 13, 1. Because of everything that's packed around that. And I'll just tell you real quick. The Greek words, estelos, E-I-S-T-E-L-O-S, means until the end. The, the verse says, having loved his own, he loved them till the end. Now what the verse doesn't capture is everything that was happening around that. Because in John 13, 1, the disciples were, still, were all with him. Judas was with him. This is where, and he knew he was about to die, right? So all of Jesus, what he had done on the earth, how he had taught them, the sacrifice he was making that night and into the next day, all of those things collided into what is the greatest love that has ever existed in human history. Jesus knowing that Peter was going to deny him. Jesus knowing that Judas was going to betray him. Jesus knowing everything that this meant. What did he say? He loved them as telos. Like I get shivers thinking about it. He loved them till the end. When somebody betrays me, I cut my love off. Jesus loved them before the betrayal, knowing it was coming. Oh, that's awesome. That's how Jesus loved. 1 John 13, 6. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. He sacrificed for them. This special love for other believers is based on the sacrificial love of Jesus. A new outcome. What's the new outcome? I'll tell you this. If we, if the church universal would love like this, I need to be careful how boldly I say this. There might not be racism. If the church of Jesus Christ really loved like this, it might eliminate our prejudice about somebody's socioeconomic status, about somebody's race, about somebody's ethnicity. So the reason I believe God has us on this is because I think the church universal has gotten off center and we're so worried now. We've taken a step back. We say love like, um, love our neighbors like we love ourselves. And Jesus is saying that's so yesterday. Today it's love like I loved you. And who did Jesus, the people they hated the most were Gentiles and Samaritans, not sure what order. They hated the most Jews. They hated them. Racism abounded, man. 
Jesus, read the story of the Samaritan woman. Man, he loved sacrificially. He died for them. He died for us. Most of us, if not all, are Gentiles. That's the way we need to love. And I'm not, I don't want to preach at you here. I want you to understand that a, the new outcome that we can expect is one that does away with prejudice and racism and you fill in the blanks. Only Jesus' living presence can explain such a love for others. Not only people, will people believe because we say we love them, they'll believe because the way they see that love played out among us. So we have to love each other, and the world's going to look and say, that's not common. Something is different about that. I think I want some of that. And then we love them the same way. Oh, man, we love you. You know why we love you? Because Jesus loved us. In myself, I can't love you like that. I just can't. But God has loved me, and that love so fills me that I can't help but love you. You know why the Dead Sea is dead? Probably a lot of you do, because there's only inlet, inlets. There's no outlet. So all the water comes in, evaporates, minerals stay, nothing can live in it. That's the way love is. Love comes to us, but it can't stay with us. God has not called us to be sanctified and petrified, right? Stay where you're at. He's called us to be sanctified and to love. So we're going to close. The band's going to come up. We're going to sing a song here at the end, and I'm not going to have a big, long altar call, but I, I just want us to remember that God came, Jesus came, I mean, and He changed the rules, and He gave us a new command, and He told us to love like this. I think the question is, will we love this way? Will we commit to do more than like our nice little group and hope things go well. Can we love like Jesus so lives are changed? I'll tell you one of the ways that we're trying to do that desperately with every outreach opportunity that we can grab a hold of around here. Um, if you would like to be a part of our outreach ministry, please talk to Heather. She's um, helping to coordinate that. We're working now and pray for us in this. In everything that's going on, there's an outreach ministry that we're hopefully going to be able to be a part of called Farmers to Families, I think. And we are hopefully going to be a distribution point of food for this program that uh, when the supply chains got messed up, and that all these farmers had this extra food, they're taking those truckloads of that food and trying to disperse it to the people. So that's one of the things we're trying. We've been with Mission Moms, with food. I don't know, like the food giving has fallen off in the last few weeks, but the need hasn't. 
Like, what can we do? How can we love? Are you loving your neighbors that live next door to you? Are you loving your, your waitresses and waiters when you go to the, Are you loving the clerks and the checkout people at the grocery store? I don't know. How can you love? That's the key. And then also, how can we love? Honestly, we should be a people that love so much that never a bad word is said about each other. Why? Because we love each other, man. It's uncommon the way we love each other. We want to see each other succeed. We want to see each other love like Jesus. It's providential that God gave us this purpose to love like Jesus so lives are changed. Providential. He gave it to us. Are we going to love like that today?